Elizabeth, 10% of the world's fresh water is contained in Lake Superior. Doesn't that blow your mind? Almost as much as when I learned it last week. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite fact from our Great Lakes road trip, I think. It's pretty incredible because it's big and deep, but there are also a lot of other Great Lakes around it that are also big and pretty deep. So it, it seems like, yes, it's, it's you know, it's the biggest and the deepest, but it's also, I wonder how much all of the Great Lakes account for. Yeah, I 10% of the world's freshwater, Lake Superior. <laughs> uh, just imagine how many, how, what percentage of your, the water you've drink, drunk, drank, has passed through drunk. Lake Superior. Probably all of it, Right. I don't know. How does water work? <laughs> <laughs> it's the water cycle. Fourth grade. Yeah. So, yeah, we just got back from our road trip on Saturday, Friday. On Friday. Yeah. A couple days ago. So, six new National Park passport cancellations in our book and... Uh, and only uh, four cancellations. Yeah, we did miss two stamps. Two visit, two big visitor centers, but they were close. Uh, they were not on their summer hours yet. So we hit Pictured Rocks and Apostle Islands in the end. No, we we went to the Kuina Visitor Center or yeah. the the headquarters. Right. So we just missed the two biggest ones the two biggest ones of because course. also when the parks are so big and you're doing stuff during the whole day hiking during the whole day it's kind of hard to be in the right visitor center you know the one one visitor center that's open during the off season when it's visitor center hours so that was our problem but otherwise we had an awesome awesome time lots of great trails still um, didn't lots get... of lots of um, empty trails. We were it seems like we were the only ones on the Upper Peninsula, and it was kind of nice to be. It, it reminded us of when we visited a lot of the national parks in their off seasons, where there weren't a lot of people around, and that was okay with us. We yeah. didn't have too many really really crowded parks, I would say. And. Got some cheap hotel, well, one cheap hotel room. Oh, it was amazing. It was $36. Yeah. For a bed and a shower and a microwave. (laughs) (laughs) And a little bar of soap and a little packet of shampoo. Yeah. It was Pantene. Yeah. All of those things that always come with (laughs) hotels. It was, yeah, it was perfectly fine. It was a little outdated. Maybe, but it was fine. We had a great time in Michigan. It was, it just, it was, uh, brought us back to the whole road trip mentality that we haven't been on in such a long time. Yeah. And uh, what I loved is that it was just the perfect loop, like the perfect, uh, week long distance. You know, we traveled about probably average three hours, four hours a day. Yeah. And, went right around you know the west coast of Michigan up into the upper peninsula then came down through Wisconsin and into Minnesota all the way back to good old St. Louis so <laughs> it was we're going to write some posts about it we'll talk we'll post uh, the video that we took so it was a really good loop yeah i like i appreciate a good loop just like we do appreciate a good trail loop you know, that where you don't, go, it's not just an out and back. I think that's the same with road trips. I think that's the key is to, it's to make it a loop. Yeah. If you can. And, and it's the perfect, it was perfectly feasible. Yep. I think for, for not just us, but a family vacay. So you'll have to check it out when we post all our route and everything, switchbackkids.com. Um, but speaking of that... Welcome to Switchbacks. 
a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. So thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing a top 10 list that should appeal to just about everyone. Just about everyone, huh? I'd say so. I think so, too. I think even even us, even we appreciated the slowdown of some of the national parks. I think we appreciated because we were, we were, when we were on our trip, we did a lot of big, intense hikes, but we also loved this, you know, short little uh, accessible trails that were near, maybe near the visitor center or maybe near some of the big attractions in the national parks, and we appreciated the simplicity and ease of those trails. So today we're sharing our top 10 short hikes in all 59 national parks that we went to last year, and we classified short hikes as under four miles round trip, and we divided them into short and sweet, meaning very easy, nobody would have a problem, at least in our opinion, uh, flat in general, you know, just nice, easy surface. Family friendly. Yeah, so that's short and sweet, and we have five of those, and we also did... Short and spicy. <laughs> the short and spicy idea was mine, I think. I do. Uh, no, I don't. It think. was all your idea. I know. But it was, um, it's fun. So these are short trails, but they have kind of a twist or kind of a difficult dif- difficulty to them, or they've got like a little bit of a fear factor, maybe. But they're still short. So they're still like a little part of your day. So they don't take up a lot of time necessarily, but they um, have a little bit of intensity to them. I still think the hardest trail we did last year might have been the Warner Trail or the Warner Route in Black Can- Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Was that what it's called, Warner Route? Yeah. It oh. was, so it was like three miles. We didn't even follow it, though. <laughs> yeah, three miles down 1,500 feet or 3,000. No, it was three miles and 4,000 feet down. Something, some insane drop in a very short amount of miles. Um, anyway, that wasn't one of our top ten. But the point is, this very short hike in Black Canyon at the Gunnison was very intense. We got lost. We like stumbled and slid through the rocks, going straight down this canyon wall. Um, and we would not put that in our Hall of Fame. No. Because it does not bring back great memories. But these <laughs> hikes bring back really good memories. So we're going to start, and we're just going to talk about these, our first five, our first short and sweet hikes. And these, we're just going to talk about them in order that we visited them. So no specific preference order. But uh, the first short and sweet hike we're going to talk about is the Congress Trail in Sequoia National Park. Yeah, and the Congress Trail was named after the huge sequoia trees that were named after presidents. So, and they were presidents, right? So it's kind of weird why it's called Congress Trail and not like White House Trail. You yeah, know? I I kind of forgot the whole meaning behind the name Congress Trail. Cause it's, is that right? Yeah, because I think it's Jefferson is a tree, mm-hmm. Grant is a, the big... No. That's General Grant. Yeah, that's General Grant in uh, Kings Canyon, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> lots of famous people that these trees yes. are named after. And, and they're some of the biggest, largest in volume trees in the world. So the the trail includes the, the a little trip to gen, the General Sherman tree, which is the largest living thing in the world by by volume. So there are taller trees in and I we get this a lot because um, people kind of think of redwood, the redwood 
national park, Redwood Forest, uh, which is in northern California, and that houses the the tallest trees in the world. But these are the largest trees in the world, so not only are they super tall, they're also extremely wide and and thick (laughs) and um, incredible to walk among. Yeah, General Sherman is just immense like dwarfs you and your 20 friends standing next to it um but the also the other ones are just as impressive and they're kind of like if you can get beyond general sherman and see these huge trees in more of a natural setting you know german general sherman has a lot of uh, sidewalk around it and surrounding it and it's very um, it's very close to the parking lot, so it's yeah, the first because, one you come on, because, come upon. Yeah, everybody goes to it. I think it's accessible for wheelchairs and everything to get to the General Sherman tree. But if you just go a little farther and get into the Congress Trail, uh, it's so cool to see these trees. You know, like you would have seen them 500 years ago when they were still around and still ginormous because they're so old. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Congress Trail is three miles as a loop. Yeah, and there are some options. I know there were a lot of spur off trails, and so you could make you could probably make this shorter or longer depending on what you want to do. Um, this is one of those examples where I feel like it's so beneficial in the national parks to get off, just to, to go a little bit beyond the the overlook, a little bit beyond the tourist trail, and um, so instead of just jumping out of the car, taking a picture of G- General Sherman, and then jumping back in the car, I think taking a little bit of time, really walking among these gigantic trees. We did it in, in March, so it was there was snow on the ground, and we followed the um, cross-country skiing marks where they put the, the markings for the trail on the trees. So you can still follow um, the trail, even though you can't see it because it's covered in snow. Um, but anyway, the just the whole experience of that was so much better than just stopping at the main attraction. So number two was the Ho Rainforest Trail. I don't remember exactly the the specific name of the trail, actually, but it, any trail in the yeah in the Ho Rainforest yeah, area they're, they're or similar, like Hall of Mosses, actually. Yeah, I think that's was what the it's trail called. Name. Yes. Yes. So that was very short. Um, but just so cool because you go into this Ho Rainforest area, which is in Olympic National Park. It's on the western side. Takes a little longer to get around all the way to that side if you're coming from Seattle area. And it is just like you are getting swallowed by all of these trees, all of these mosses just hanging down, dripping from the trees such a cool lush um forest yeah so green just uh feels like jurassic park or something and i it's the only temperate rainforest in the lower 48 right correct exactly yeah so it's really unique in that sense too and olympic is one of those amazing national parks where i know we've talked about it several times but it's it's uh, it was one of our favorites because it's so diverse, and this is and this was part of the diversity. Not only do you have the Ho Rainforest, but if you drive a couple hours um, into the mountains, you've got the Hurricane Ridge, and uh, the all you know you've got the mountain part, and then if you drive a couple hours in the other direction, you've got the coast with the big giant sea stacks, and um, in a couple more hours, and you've got the old growth forest, and so there are all of these different areas of the park and this is one of the parts that makes it pretty amazing yeah and it's so cool if you go at different times a day like in the early morning or late at night when the sun is just filtering through at an intense angle through the trees through the branches you know maybe there's a little mist in the morning and you just get really cool mystic effects. Yeah, we camped near the in the near the uh, Ho Rainforest, and we loved it. It was such a peaceful, kind of eerie experience, but but really comforting at the same time. 
So the third park we're going to talk about, we're still in the short and sweet. This might be the shortest and the sweetest <laughs> of them all. And this is the Upper Geyser Basin area um, in Yellowstone National, Parks, uh, Nas- National Park. And this would be all the boardwalks that are around the Upper Geyser Basin area, which is where Old Faithful is. Yeah, specifically, the route we recommend is from Old Faithful to Morning Glory. And that's just one mile one way. So Old Faithful is obviously right by the visitor center. It's got, you know, tons of bleachers around it. Super popular. Goes off every 90 minutes. You can't miss it if you go to Yellowstone. Morning Glory is also pretty popular. It's on the far end of the Upper Geyser Basin, and it's a different kind of thermal feature that basically has a bunch of different colored algae that create a rainbow effect. And if you look into this pool, it's got greens and yellows and blues, and then unfortunately a bunch of trash at the bottom that dulls the colors, so don't keep track of your trash. Yeah, seriously. It's supposed to look like the morning glory flower. Yeah. I believe. And that, so those are the two bookends of this boardwalk, but really you can go connect the boardwalks because there's so many just going through the upper geyser basin area connect them in any way and see so many different geysers because they're everywhere there and there are there's different schedules for each of the big geysers like i think daisy geyser was one um castle geyser what was the one that was in the river I liked that one a lot. Oh, yeah. That one was cool. So kind of what we did, I feel like we got pretty lucky with some of the scheduling, but we were there all day. We literally saw Old Faithful go off six times, I think, or five times maybe, and it goes off every 90 minutes. So we were really there all day, and we just kind of we followed the trail, and we followed the crowds because whenever we would see a pretty big group starting to crowd around one area, we kind of knew, okay, something's going to happen there. <laughs> so we kind of would rush over and, and try to catch the catch the geyser. Um, but it's, and, and a lot of the, the consistent geysers are in that area. So they do, the visitor center knows, you know, this one is going to go off around this time and this time today. Um, of course, Old Faithful is pretty much pretty faithful to every 90 minutes. Uh, but the other ones are a little less consistent. But it seems like the consistent ones are all in this Upper Geyser Basin area. So if you go here, there's a good chance you're going to see several geysers, not just Old Faithful. And there's also a, a number you can call that gives you the estimated times of day that each one is going to go off for that specific day. So... So maybe do some research beforehand as well instead of just relying on calling that number when you're there and figure out when the estimated times are for a given day and whether or not those are going to be convenient for you to see uh, because if you have cer- maybe three days at Yellowstone pick the best when you can see all of these geysers pick the day that they're all going to be you know kind of clumped together in their eruption times and go that day and do all the other cool stuff the other two days. Just a little scheduling tip. Planning is always good. The the other thing that's always good is uh, going in the morning, (laughs) early morning. When the first time we saw Old Faithful uh, go off, we we were one of maybe 16 people. But the by the third or fourth time, when it was noon or uh, around 10 or noon, it... uh, there were probably 300 people all the way around the perimeter. And so, again, early morning always helps. And an underrated time to visit some of these popular places, I think, is the evening. Because we did some of that in Yellow- in other places, other attractions around Yellowstone, is we went during the evening hours. And the animals were really, it seemed like they were really active then. And there, everyone was at dinner. And so, and I'm not, we're not... I'm not a morning person. <laughs> you know this. Um, so <laughs> I also, love the evenings. I love the, you know, it's still a little bit light out, so it's you can still see or make your way around. 
and um, there are no crowds. We also don't eat dinner, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, we bring our dinner. Everyone's going out to dinner, and we just pack a little picnic, and then we get to see so much more. That's right. Okay, number four in our short and sweet category of top short hikes is Root Glacier, which is in Wrangell-St. Elias National Park in Alaska. It was basically down in the McCarthy or Kennecott area. And from Kennecott, which is where you take the little van shuttle to, which is this basically the visitor center and main area of the park, you can hike 1.5 miles to Jumbo Creek. Uh, and that's where we camped. So 1.5 miles to Jumbo Creek, and then you're starting to see the glacier uh, which is the Kennecott Glacier and the Root Glacier to your left, and you f- can follow that all the way uh, until you get, I think it's 3.5 miles in total to the back. One the way. The very back yeah. of the the glacier, which is called the, the what? The Icefall area? It, I think it was the... Sure. I don't remember. Anyway, like you have this glacier and then you also have at the very back of it where it really starts to go up the mountain. It's called an icefall and maybe it was root icefall or something. But that was it, so cool. Yeah, and not this one we threw in because it's not necessarily short short. <laughs> it is. Um it part of it is short. If you want to access the glacier, there's a, a trail down from the main trail that goes to onto the glacier. And I think that for most people, it would be okay to, you know, at least go on the glacier part of the way. You know, you probably don't want to go too far without crampons. Um, we actually went, we, we um, had a coupon and we went on a uh, gr- glacier guided hike with crampons down back through Root Glacier and into the um, into the pool the glacier pools and it's just crazy blue and so clean and bright and just one of the most unique experiences we got to be on walking on a glacier Um, but you can kind of do it you can kind of walk partly I would think on your own and I know they probably don't recommend that and of course don't do anything crazy it would definitely be slippery and uh, sharp (laughs) Um, on the glacier, but at least with this one and a half miles just past Jumbo Creek, there's a place where you can cut down to the glacier. So not very many places in the national parks where you can actually access a glacier from just one and a half miles from the visitor center. Um, So that's pretty, that's why we added it to this list. Yeah. And the icefall is stairway icefall. By oh, good. Thank you for looking that up. Yep. <laughs> Everybody was so worried. <laughs> so don't miss that once you get to Kennecott. Make sure you go all the way down the trail. Go down to the glacier and see that up close, yes, but make sure you get all the way to the back and see the root glacier as it connects to the base of Stairway Icefall. All right, number five the last of our short and sweet hikes. And I might I might consider this spicy for other reasons. Okay. But I guess yeah. it's short and sweet. That's true. Spicy because of the the bears. The bears at <laughs> Brooks Falls. Yeah, so. and all along the way to Brooks Falls. <laughs> so from Brooks Camp, which is where you stay if you're staying in the Brooks Camp area, Um, of Katmai National Park from the camp is 1.2 miles to the falls one way so along this 1.2 miles you cross a bridge you walk on a boardwalk a little bit but also you're walking just a nice little pleasant trail through the woods um, unless a gigantic grizzly bear pops out at you which happens often and just hope they don't have cubs with them or are especially hungry because they couldn't catch any salmon that morning. <laughs> um, no, this is 
Brooks Falls, as we've said, is one of the most iconic images of all the national parks. It's that spot in Alaska where the bears go to this short falls and catch salmon, you know, catch them out of the air or trap them at the base of the waterfall. And there are dozens of bears in the area at any one time we saw i think a max of five Mm -hmm. uh, at the actual falls yeah grizzly bears at the falls in one view but that's why we put this hike in our top five or top ten short hikes because it is just so unique as far as the wildlife you can see and incredibly accessible for most people, yes. almost all people of so many different abilities were able to get and photographers and regular people with their iPhones like us <laughs> just rambling up the hill. And it's very it's a lot of there's a huge sense of camaraderie at Brooks Camp and everyone's just talking about the bears they saw and what they were doing and and uh, what the teenage bears were up to that day. And it's it's just a really unique experience. Uh, we I highly Oops, I highly recommend sleeping at Brooks Camp, so not just doing a day trip, because you really do get the full experience, I think, when you wake up with the bears and you go to sleep with the bears. Um, it's really interesting. But yeah, definitely Brooks Falls. Don't be too afraid of the bears, like I was. And the best time to go, again, is definitely in the morning, because... During the middle of the day, the platform gets very crowded and they cap it at a certain number of people. So when you are there multiple days, you can get up early in the morning, go, make sure you're the first one there. Like we were the first ones there one morning and uh, just have it all to yourselves. See the bears first. Like they're also more active and more numerous in the early morning Mm -hmm. because they're all still hungry and as the day goes on they get their fill and they leave the falls so morning is your best chance to see a lot of them being active definitely are you ready to move on to the short and spicy list i sure am this one's fun i'm all about the spice are you you're all about the salt short and salty and the sweet and the sweet the I'm the Sugar, spicy. Ice cream. I'm the spicy in this relationship. Chocolate chip cookies. Fudge. Reese's cups. Are you done? I could go what on. What about that spicy margarita we had? Ooh, yeah. That one was really good. Grand Rapids for Cinco de Mayo. It's a ghost pepper margarita. Yeah, we had margaritas with ghost, ghost pepper Busters, jam. I think it was called. Ghostbuster yeah. margarita. Anyway. Short and spicy hikes. So still same constraints, still less than four miles round trip, and um, but with a twist, with a with a difficult twist or a, some something a little strange about this trail. These trails. The first one is a super iconic. Another one moving from Book Brooks Falls, which is iconic, to Utah, um, to the Delicate Arch Trail, in Arches National Park, and. If you go to Arches and you don't go to Delicate Arch, you have failed as a traveler and a National Parks visitor and a human because <laughs> because this is just the thing you have to do. Um, I'm, I would be interested to see the percentage of first-time visitors who go to Delicate Arch because it's probably in the 90s. If you can, you got it. You have to go. So the reason we put it on short and spicy is that it's 3.2 miles round trip, but it is pretty steep and it's not, it's, um, it's definitely not extremely accessible for everyone. Yeah, especially for those people we saw going up it in high heels and dresses from their big tour buses. Yeah, those models who were modeling in front of the arch. <laughs> yeah, gosh, standing right in front but of it, they, blocking everybody I else's mean, pictures. They made it, so if they can make it, <laughs> they you did can make probably it. make it up there. Just take your time. It's hot, so go early. Is this the trend? Yes. <laughs> go early in the morning or go late in the evening. Um and bring a lot of water. Don't be dumb. Don't wear high heels. 
carry your high heels if you must, <laughs> but don't wear the high heels. Um, it's a great, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. This, it's like these rocks were just placed there for our entertainment because there's the delicate arch, of course, which is the iconic arch you see on the Utah license plate and in the, I guess it's not in the National Park logo, but it's, it's on almost everything you see about the national parks. It's, it's just a freestanding arch in the, in Arches National Park. And it's got this almost amphitheater set up behind it where you, you walk up and it's, it's like this, wah, right? The scene that just like pops out at you. And there's this nice, like, almost like bleachers where you can sit. It's, it's like the rocks were just carved for our, our own, uh, entertainment. Definitely. So don't miss Delicate Arch in Arches National Park. Number two in Short and Spicy, the Precipice Trail in Acadia National Park. This is probably the shortest and the spiciest. Yeah, it... I might say. It was definitely our favorite in Acadia, our favorite thing we did. It's only a mile to the top and 2.6 miles for the complete loop, so not too long at all. But I definitely you'd... recommend you don't go down the same way you came up. So go up and then loop around through the woods, um, but they don't recommend you go down the way that you came, come up just because everyone's going up and it's not as safe to go down, I guess. And when you're going up, you're also climbing you know these big ladders you're traversing these rungs that are bolted into the sides of these cliffs so that's why we ha- added the spice here oh yeah very uh, spicy it, it, it's very you're very exposed it's not like there are thousands of feet below you it is a thousand fifty eight feet climb to- total but so it's very steep you are literally climbing yeah on these iron rungs that are just bolted into the rock and so you're you are exposed if you're terrified of heights it probably isn't the trail for you um it's amazing views though maybe the best uh, i it was it was a uh, a game changer for me on our trip and I'll always remember those views because it, we were just like it was mind blowing we kept just looking around and saying oh my gosh it's getting better and better and of course it was fall in Acadia um, and it, it's just right on the water you can so it overlooks the bay and um, and then you've got you had all the fall colors around and the rocks and it was just it was just a really incredible experience you could see all the in the distance of course, in Acadia, you have lots of bays and inlets and lakes. And when you looked out over the water, there were also just the islands that popped up out of all of this water. So the the, the texture of the land, especially with the different golds and oranges, um, and that contrasting against the dark rock and granite and lichen, uh, was just really really cool like she said very very Maine-esque very northeast feel uh, and very just uh, iconic classic how many of these are we gonna say are iconic yeah well yeah they are though you have to do it it wasn't iconic it was so fun but it was still gorgeous it was beautiful and it was I mean it was hard don't let us say that it was just like a little flit to the top but um is it was awesome so super worth it okay number eight already right yeah six seven eight number eight is uh the mist trail in yosemite national park yeah and i'm actually surprised that this one we talked about putting it on here but i i almost debate it because uh Okay, so the mist trail it's really pretty. Is gorgeous. It's incredible. You you go up and the first fall you get to is Vernal Fall. That's three miles uh, round trip if you go to there and back. My beef is that 
if you go to Vernal Fall, you have to keep going to Nevada Fall, which is a little higher up, well, a lot higher up, really, <laughs> and a lot farther, and that is seven miles round trip to where, for me, it was out of our our distance range. So don't just do the short hike is my, I guess, is my message. Yeah, and I'm thinking of, like, families and uh, people who maybe can't do the whole seven mile. They look at the seven mile trail and they think, oh, we can't do that, so we're not going to do any of it. But I think it's I think it would be worth it for people who want, are interested in a shorter, spicier hike, eh? <laughs> yeah. uh, to just do the three mile round trip to Vernal Fall because you get awesome views. It's called the Mist Trail for a reason, so you get a little bit wet <laughs> as you're hiking. Um, yes, it was crowded for us, but it was also a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we didn't time it great, um, but we but it if you hit it right in the middle of the week. In, in an off time, uh, more early morning or late evening, um, it's it's so gorgeous. And I highlight the the waterfalls in Yosemite were probably the best we saw all trip, and this one was very high up on the list. So I recommend it and wholeheartedly. We were, we were lucky that we were able to go during April, which was early for Yosemite in general, but prime time for all the waterfalls. So that really added some volume to that huge mass of water cascading down, hitting the rocks and spraying mist for hundreds of yards. Uh, I will say Vernal Fall was my favorite out of the two. So Good. Yeah, if you can... Are you agreeing with me again? If you do have to go to just one... It's nice to just hit Vernal. Well, you can't just go to Nevada. That's true. Okay. That would be silly. Anyway, moving on. This next hike is a very accessible alpine lake. And not all the alpine lakes in the national parks are very accessible by easy four-mile round-trip trails. Yeah, we're talking about Avalanche Lake Hike in Glacier National Park in Montana. This was our first glacier hike. We rolled up to the park, right? Yep. This was uh, along the Going to the Sun Road. Of course, it was uh, closed in the middle when we visited in late May. Um, but we were able to drive up on the on that side, the east-west side. Lake um, McDonald side. All the way to Aval- the Avalanche Lake Trailhead. That was pretty much our turnaround spot. So we were able to hike. There were several other people hiking um, that same trail, but it wasn't super crowded. And it's about four miles round trip. Gains about 500 feet. And that's why we put it on the short and spicy. But it wasn't too hard. No, not at at all. all. It was really nice because at first you were following this babbling stream. And that was just really charming. Then... Eventually, really at the very end, it unveils this gorgeous lake that you've come gotten all the way back to, and you're at the front of the lake, and then you can see all the way to the back is it's just encompassed by mountains on the back half of the lake, and that's your first glimpse, at least it was our first glimpse of the huge mountains of Glacier, Mm -hmm. and the lake is also very shallow at the front end where you, the trail comes up to it, so you can kind of stand in the water on different stones and things and get really cool, pretty pictures, so... Definitely worth doing, definitely on the beaten path, but it's, and that's what all of these trails are very on the beaten path um but we're okay with it (laughs) i guess is what we're saying so definitely this is a one of those iconic (laughs) (laughs) iconic iconic things you gotta do in the national parks all right rounding out the top 10 short hikes we have alpine trail in denali national park So Alpine Trail is 
back by the Eielson Visitor Center. Basically, you leave from the Eielson Visitor Center, which you have to get to, first of all, by taking one of the Denali shuttles uh, into the heart of the park, back deep into the park, uh, get to Eielson Visitor Center, take off on this alpine trail. It takes you up the mountain right behind the Visitor Center, and it's a steep hike. You gain a thousand feet in a mile, and so it's two miles round trip up and down. But at the top, the views are incredible. Um, you can look in one direction and see Denali if you're very, very lucky, and it's unveiling itself for you, uh, which we were one time when we were there. I think we were there three times at <laughs> Eielson because it is a gorgeous spot in general, and the last time we were super lucky to see Denali. But um, the even when we weren't there, uh, when Denali was uh, out, you, it, the other views in other directions were gorgeous. We saw uh, ptarmigans, you know, in the the mm-hmm. rocks. We saw marmots, and I loved the marmots. Yeah, and they were perched, just posed for taking pictures of them. And there are little flowers, and it's gorgeous too. It's like you can see it's because Denali is an interesting landscape because it's kind of a tundra, so there aren't a lot of high at least where we were in this area, there aren't very many tall trees or high shrubbery or anything. So you're really, you can, you are standing on the road and you're looking up, you know exactly where this hike is going to go because it just goes right up to the top of the ridge. And then once you get up there, you can see so far and, and you can, uh, see on the other side, on the other side and just how far back it goes and how the peaks, uh, and the valleys keep going on forever. Right. Super cool trail. Very hard, but if you just keep climbing to the top, it's only a mile. So it's definitely doable. And because in Denali you can go anywhere you want off trail, once we got to the top, it was really cool to just wander wherever we wanted, get really good angles for pictures, and just explore uh, different viewpoints, like get over that next ridge and see, you know, get that vantage point of the valley below. Uh, So that was really nice, too, just to be able to wander around off trail because you don't do that much in the national parks so there is our 10 short and sweet and short and spicy e uh short being the key uh hikes within the national parks are you ready for the lightning round honorable mentions cole of course, and do, 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 do. of course we couldn't limit ourselves to just 10. Yeah, we, we don't follow the rules. At first, I think when we were brainstorming this, we probably had at least 30 mm-hmm. that we said were were good considerations. So here's a few of our, our extras. Yes, the Narrows in Zion, walking through uh, the canyon there, uh, the which... They have to close often because of high water levels, just FYI. Um, super worth doing, though. The- and maybe spicy as well because you have to, you do have to walk through the water and use special uh, s- footwear and stuff. The Bristlecone Trail in Great Basin National Park, which houses the, some of the oldest trees in the world. Some are two to 5,000 years old, which Ye- is crazy. For a tree to be alive. So that's just so unique to see those types of trees and the way they contort their trunks and their branches and everything. To survive. Yeah. They're, exactly. They're, they are troopers. The Ledges Trail in Cuyahoga Valley, which is just these walls of mossy green rocks that that just, it's kind of a maze-like trail where you just walk among these rocks. I really liked the Congaree Boardwalk in Congaree. It, it can be a 2.4-mile loop, but when we were there, we really had to use our imagination because it was flooded and we could only walk basically point, 
uh, like a quarter mile of it. But I can see how it would be really cool. Uh, you're just among all, of, like in a swamp, you're among some of the biggest trees in the world with the uh, this old growth forest that's really rare in the U.S. So that was a really cool one too. Uh, and finally, the Caprock Cooley Trail in Theodore Roosevelt National Park. It's 1.5 miles round trip, and you can definitely extend it, which I would recommend for sure to include to enlarge the loop. But this was an interesting one because I did it without Elizabeth. But it was, it honestly was one of my favorite. Is it interesting that you never stopped talking about it? Yeah, she's she's a little it's your favorite trail ever in the whole world just because I wasn't there. Yep, she's a little salty, obviously, but um, really cool views in the north unit of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, of the valley, of the different badlands and layers and layers of um, the the rock. So, and last but not least, the Notch Trail in Badlands National Park, which is 2.6 miles round trip. And it's pretty easy for the most part, but then it ends with this cool like ladder climb through the through the rocks. And it, well, it doesn't end there, but it, it includes this ladder climb um, up to this next level of the rocks. And then it ends with this giant notch in, in, um, on this cliff, basically, that yeah. overlooks more of the Badlands. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty so cool, though. The wall of the Badlands opens up, and through this notch, you can just see this gigantic valley and the rest of the Badlands much farther below you, uh, and they just extend forever. So that was super cool, yep. super worth doing in the Badlands. So we'd definitely say it's fun to mix it up, it's fun to stroll a little, slow down a little, and not everything had to be super hardcore for us. Yeah, we definitely had plenty of that, but this was a nice way to balance it out, and I think no matter who you are when you're visiting the national parks, even if you think you're too cool to do some of the boardwalk trails, or too intense, or don't have enough time, it's sometimes just a really nice way to, to get either introduced to the park, or to see these, um, incredible iconic classic places within the national parks that you don't see anywhere else in the world because they make these hikes and these features so accessible for a reason you know they put a boardwalk to it because so many people want to access it they make it short and they make the road go almost all the way to it because it's such a popular place so yeah don't underestimate these little short hikes uh, because a lot of times they're the most popular for a good good reason mm -hmm. so it's okay to be on the beaten path sometimes exactly and that is our theme for this episode and our next few yeah we didn't really mention that at the beginning but we're going to be talking about that this uh, month basically the next few episodes we are talking about why it's okay to sometimes be on the beaten path and the, the benefits of on the beaten path versus off the beaten path. I know a lot of what we talk about on our blog and through our um, Instagram and everything is how to be how, the secrets of the national parks and how to get off the beaten path. Um, but of course, sometimes the, the beaten path is beaten for a reason. <laughs> yeah, and I hope you found some beaten path spots that you might not have heard about today because there are a lot of parks out there and they all have their secrets, but they also all have the stuff you just got to hit. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed our short hikes list. We definitely enjoyed putting it together. Yeah, I think we'll always remember those little hikes. And we want to hear, speaking of that, we want to hear what you do enjoy. We want to hear... Also, your questions and your feedback, any comments. Um, so we haven't mentioned this in a while, but we would love to get comments and questions, mostly questions from our listeners. So you can leave us a voicemail 
it. Yeah, go to switchbacks, uh, sorry, switchbackkids.com slash podcast. And, um, of course, we also put the link to the podcast page in our um, show notes in all of the, the episode notes. Um, so if you just go to switchbackkids.com, you'll f- somehow find the podcast page. And then on that page, you can leave us a voicemail um, through your computer. And so leave us a short, you know, 30-second question or 60-second question, and you might be able to have it played on a future podcast. Because your question might be someone else's question, even if it seems obvious. I know we've gone through a lot of stuff, but there are so many elements to our trip that we have not even began to scratch the surface of. Yeah, and a lot of times it's tough for us to tell what people are truly interested in because something for us, you know, something like cooking, what we ate seems a little maybe like why would anybody care about that uh it's it is something we face every day but does anybody want to hear about that i don't know um but you know we got uh, a question about that and we're gonna answer it on you know maybe one of our next podcasts so that's the type of stuff that uh we want to hear about what you guys want to hear from us or about the parks on our perspectives we we want to share that we want to share what you want to hear all that good stuff so thanks for checking us out today we'll be back next week to share all about the finer things in the parks so you can sip your drink at the beach resort or sit back and enjoy your sunset cruise through the alaskan fjords as we chat about two of those fanciest parks Virgin Islands National Park and Kenai Fjords National Park. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks, Switchbacks out. out.